Hey, hey, good afternoon, everybody. As we come into the end of this year, we're so excited. I got my mentor, the incredible Blaine Bartlett, with us today here on Office Hours. As always, learn.blainebartlett.com forward slash D-A-Y. I like that. And uh, Blaine, before we uh, welcome our dearest guest here, Jake, what's the D-A-Y for from the MMM? <laughs> <laughs> I did make a shift here. Well, we're coming into the new year, and DAY stands for Design a Year that Designs You. I love so, it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a webinar next week, uh, tail end of the week. So, that's where people can find out more information about it. I love it. Fits right into my new, my new day resolutions, which is what yep. my uh, philosophy for. Uh, everyone is, is to make sure that we take into consideration the year goals and, and midterm and long-term objectives, but take our objectives day by day. Speaking about day by day, I got an old friend of mine. I've known him about half his life uh, and he's 20, <laughs> 22 years old. Uh, and, and they give me the, the phonetic spelling, but I'm not sure this is right. But Joseph, is that right? Jake was Nailed it. Nailed it. Oh, nice. My team aces. See, it took him a year, but they got it. He is the founder and CEO of Trendsetters, uh, just a product of his university's accelerated uh, program that was deny, denying him. And with the mi mindset of a true entrepreneur, he has a great agency that builds brands for Gen Z. And Jake, welcome to Office Hours, my friends. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much. Well, you Jake, guys, it's great to meet you here, buddy. You are a trendsetter, I'll tell you that. I cannot believe the growth that you've had since uh, you and I uh, last spoke. I think I was interviewed a few years back by you and with you. And now you have some of the biggest names, biggest brands in the world working with you. And what do you think it is with all the different opportunities that these Fortune 500 companies have to attract the Gen Z, communicate with the Gen Z? Why uh, have they decided to go with your agency? What, what's the differentiator to your success. Yeah, you know, I think what it is is you, you need to you need to be a part of this gener generation to understand the cultural nuances of it as well as you need to be a part of it to understand the digital transformation and technology taking place and moving at the pace of that. And it isn't to say that it's ostracizing any older generations or other demographics that, you know, they don't have the ability to perform well on TikTok. I mean, some of the best creators on the platform aren't within the realm of Gen Z, but when it comes to understanding the nuances and better engaging the generation, that's where you need an actual team of Gen Z that knows how to exactly do that. And, you know, that's the reason why the company started. I was originally all on Snapchat back in high school. I was 17, 18 years old. And, you know, I'm consulting with this Fortune 1000 company and we're supposed to be talking about Snapchat. And two minutes into this call, my my entire you know presentation that that was my first week at, you know on campus at school that I'd spent forever on. And pretty much just got thrown out of the way. And, you know, I started getting these questions, you know, do Gen Z, do they like pad thai or mac and cheese? And just like these very out there questions. And that's when it hit me where it, this isn't about social media or marketing or branding. This is about an understanding of a younger demographic that don't have a seat on the boardroom or, uh, you know, in the executive offices at these bigger companies. Yet it's a vital demographic. And, you know, conservatively, uh, a lot of experts project that 50% of the Fortune 500 will be turned over over the next five, 10 years. I think realistically it's closer to five years. So if you're a legacy brand, um, you know, understanding this demographic and, and ensuring that you're actually engaging and reaching them 
is is vital to the longevity of that that what once what was considered a legacy brand. You know, it's interesting for me, Jake, and I love hearing what you're up to. Um, and and I I, I I personally want to have a, a more in depth conversation with you at some point in time here. Um, the idea that you're highlighting here is, you know, demographically know your audience. I mean, that's probably about as simple as it gets from a marketing perspective. Um, but the other part of that has to do with the, the, the there, there's a real interesting phenomena that is just about to occur. And it is the largest wealth transfer in the history of the world. And that wealth transfer is migrating from my generation, baby boomer. Yeah, we're kind of bracketed here. We got Dave in the middle, kind of, uh, towards your generation. Yep. And yeah, you're you're going to be driving this car in a very interesting way, this economy, this economic car in a very interesting way. What are some of the things that these legacy brands, as well as some of these emerging brands, really need to get right right now in order to uh, work with, with you and, and, and your cohort? Yeah, I think the, the number one piece is, and this is the conversation I have with brands like McDonald's and L'Oreal and PacSun and North Face and others, which is this is not a marketing solution or a marketing problem. This is a business problem. Far too often, we rely on a marketing department to go solve something through a PR. And you know that's where I put pressure on a lot of these brands that they want to support. They want to support LGBTQ plus, and they want to support you know DE and I, and they want to support all these movements. And all they do to, to really support it is they launch an ad campaign. And what are you actually doing behind the scenes? Because, you know, that may have worked when our only system of information was a TV and a radio and our newspaper controlled by a handful of companies. But when the primary source for news information for Gen Z is Twitter and not the news sources on Twitter, but rather what other people are saying about it, there's no hiding. And once everything, you know, there's there's a longer conversation about Web3 and once this all gets on the blockchain, but there's no more hiding anymore. This is a true business problem. And so, you know, once we can align business objectives around it, be willing to shift product, brand, messaging, then marketing, then we can actually, you know, get moving. And then the, 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 the smaller tactics that are seen as the solution today, you know, then they can actually work. You know, one of the interesting things is I've explored this space coming from a more traditional background in marketing and branding, you know, with great athletes, great brands, you know, the ones that you've worked with, I've worked with for years uh, in the sports and entertainment realm. It's interesting because there's an authenticity that's necessary in a brand. And I think one of the most difficult things about people of my generation in, in Blaine's is that we're so used to manufacturing a brand right? We're, we're telling a story that's not a real story of illumination and, and failure and mistakes and a real story. And yet, I think a lot of the older generation sees Gen Z as wanting to stand in front of cars they don't own, you know, impressed by the Kim Kardashians of the world and the Kanye's and the craziness. Uh, but I think there's a great reconciliation with traditional branding and someone like you teaching what authentically people want to hear what they're interested in and allowing even people my own age i think you know i'm blessed to have a great following within your generation because i think they appreciate the fact that i just illuminate who i am and mm -hmm. you know i i illuminate the fact that i have a different background and and i think gen z what the most surprising thing is they are really interested in learning 
the capabilities that I have and then applying what they know with the capabilities and skills and knowledge that I've had. So for you, you've been able to bridge early a gap with people that look like Blaine and I that are running McDonald's in the U.S. Department of Energy and North Face, PacSun, Coca-Cola, United Healthcare, L'Oreal. Those are run by people that look like Blaine and I, and you've been able to communicate effectively, respecting what they know, but adjusting and adapting how the story is told. Um, What has that been like? Was there resistance? I know you've been doing this a little while now. Was there resistance because you were 19 when you started and you're only 22 today? Yeah, well, I'll say, you know, I've always been a Led Zeppelin fan, so that helps, you know. Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Who isn't, right? You know, and, uh, you know, in addition to that, it's always been uh, an emphasis on understanding that there is, you know, when you're young, what I always say is is the best advantage you have when you're young is going to be time, of course. Uh, But within that, what I always tell people, especially my friends that are entrepreneurial and want to go, you know, achieve incredible things is from my perspective, and I could totally wrong, you know, unless you're Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk and not even Elon in that category, but unless you're Mark Zuckerberg or Kylie Jenner, there's no amount of money you're going to make in your 20s or even 30s that if you were to instead spend all of that time just learning that you wouldn't be able to remake in a couple of years in your 40s and 50s and so on. So, you know, one of the things I always press with our generation and why I despise a lot of this cancel culture, as well as this culture against boomers and against, you know, older generations is that the only way we can actually make true progress is generational collaboration. We have to work between generations, not only work, but us as younger individuals, there needs to be kind of a reverse mentorship as well. We need to be mentoring, uh, you know, older individuals about the nuances of our culture. But similarly, there's a breadth of knowledge to be learned from those that have come before us. And so, you know, in terms of how I've been able to stand out from that, um, it's it's funny enough being incredibly authentic to myself. Um, I'm very much an old soul, despite my young age. Uh, I grew up playing in classic rock bands. So that's that's in my DNA. That's who I am. Um, you know, I'm one that I wouldn't be on social media if it weren't for, you know, the business aspect It's just not something that excites me beyond that. Um, and so, you know, with that in mind, I was able to naturally kind of connect, but one of the things I had to learn is I had to be authentic in doing so and that you can smell when it's inauthentic. So I always thought that early on, okay, I need to, I need to over be overly professional and overly this. So I'd wear, you know, a suit and I'd be totally dressed up and I'd say all the right things. And then I quickly realized, wait a second, at the end of the day, that's what the other agencies, the bigger agencies that aren't Gen Z, that's what they're doing. If I go and try to sell and beat them at their own game, I'm going to lose every single time. So instead, what did I start doing? I showed up to, I showed up to a McDonald's corporate meeting wearing a hoodie and a backwards hat. And that's, this is who I am and this is what we're about. And yeah, you know, we're going to present decks and we're going to do the professional business stuff. You have to do that, of course. But what's funny enough, like ironically, what's helped me connect with uh, individuals that are older running these companies is the, the fact that I am authentic to myself and I communicate that. Yeah. You know, the idea, you know, this, this book over my shoulder, Dave and I collaborated on this together, uh, Compassionate Capitalism. And the idea of compassion, uh, yeah, my grandkids uh, are, are just a little bit younger than you, which really makes me old. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but just in talking with them about their sensibility, I mean, yeah, we, we watched the other night, uh, Don't Look Up. I mean, yeah. 
fascinating movie. Yeah, and and you, you're talking about ge cross generational collaboration. My you know, look at leadership is co creating coordinated movement in order to get the results that we want. All of this has to do with compassionate collaboration. Yeah, so my sense of and and I'm this I'm just kind of tossing this out here. So you know, <laughs> throw the ball back if it doesn't fit. Uh, where Gen Z is coming from, in large part from a values perspective, is yeah, we're all in this together. Yeah, yeah. we you know, and you know, we 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 follow this nest up. There's no turning back. We we're all in this together. And so if I'm, I'm a business, if I'm landing on that cord, I'm actually resonating with somebody that is going to be able to make a difference. And I may say that because you're going to have the purse strings. You can make a difference, and you will vote with your dollars. Is is that a fair assessment, Jake? Yeah, I would agree so. And I think, um, you know, I think part of it as well is, is that's that's how a, a, a true capitalist structure should work is across generations, everyone working together, money flows across across the board. And, um, you know, so I think from a from a Gen Z perspective, um, we certainly view it as exactly that. This is something that we need to attack together. And when we look at the the number one most pressing issue for our generation right now is climate change, of course. Yeah. And uh, you know, while while a lot of the activists in the space that do a lot of talking in climate change, especially in Gen Z, would like to believe that they alone can solve the problem by, you know, using a metal straw instead of a plastic one. Sure, that's beneficial, but saving a few turtles is not going to fix the, you know, 17 you know trillion uh, watts of energy that we need on a daily basis. Like, that's not going to fix it. This is a huge problem and we need everyone on board with it. But, you know, what I think this generation understands is, in large part, when it comes to culture and awareness and trends and the online world, you know, it's not run by Gen Z. But when you look at a lot of the movements, they tend to, to spark a lot of these. They, they can create a lot of noise. And so I think they, they understand that their voice does, in fact, have power in the market. You know, um, as we finish up here, uh, I think you hit on a really good point, which I love. You are an old soul and you have a much bigger perspective instead of a simplistic separate a separation approach and we look at sustainability i always say uh we need younger generation like you that understands that we no matter what we do we don't have the resources so we have to have sustainable practices for only one reason to give us time so that the great entrepreneurs like yourself will figure out how to convert the plastics in the ocean to energy how to fill up the hole in the atmosphere these are all very solvable solutions by entrepreneurs we've proven it over the last hundred years that this is nothing to be afraid of it's just we got to make sure we have enough time to figure it out uh, and our computers are getting faster and our young people are getting smarter and we will figure it out we'll figure out exactly how to turn a lot of the negative things that exist in our landfills into positive things and we'll be able uh, to have all types of unbelievable, uh, you know, solutions, but we have to give it time. And I think uh, you being able to communicate not just with brands, uh, but the right brands, the ones that have sustainable practices, the ones who understand uh, that we need to communicate to everyone, uh, hey, give us some time so we can come up with the best solutions to make this a better place and put everybody in a better uh, position. So, uh, I think what you're doing is much bigger than just making money, branding, you know, the big brands into uh, your your generation and your culture. But it's really one that's going to have an impact for years to come. And I wanted to thank you, Jake, and tell you how proud I am of you. And I look forward to do 
many more things with you and keep my eye on a rising star. So if there's anything I can do to help you, please, uh, you know, reach out to me because you're on the right track and we need young leaders, intelligent followers like yourself. Thanks so much. Jake, it's been an honor to have you on the show. I want to, uh, seriously, I want to want to have a deeper conversation with you. So I'm going to circle back with you, get you on my podcast so we can yeah, have an expanded conversation here. That's because Blaine's grandkids don't get him. He, he doesn't really care about the business side of it. He just wants to be able to talk to his grandkids. <laughs> true, true, true. true. For us. <laughs> All right, man. I got three single daughters, by the way, Jake. Come on over. Come on Perfect. down. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> what a That's great good. kid. Huh? He's great. All right. Well, I think uh, Jill is in the is wings up? here. Oh, Jill's here. Okay, good. All right. Oh, Hello. So our founder and CEO of Padia. Is that how I say it? I'm on fire. Yeah. Man. Nice. Padia. Good Maybe. job. <laughs> and uh, another great company in gaming. Uh, I've spent a lot of my time, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, my wife being the great wife, she is, you know, had that immediate panic on her face saying, David, you're the, the founder of one of the biggest global sports marketing companies in the world that revolves around the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys and charitable events. And they're all closed. And I don't think they'll be closed for two weeks and maybe two years. What are you going to do? And I said <laughs> the same thing my mentor, Blaine Bartlett, told me to do is to remind myself what I do have control of, my mindset, my heart set, and my handset, and figure out what's doing well today, what is stable today, and what will be doing well in the future. And gaming uh, immediately came to mind and uh, really sunk my teeth into esports and fantasy and gambling and gaming in general, even board games, uh, yeah. because of what was going on. So uh, for you, as you're a great innovator in this space, you know, how has the importance of gaming evolved? Obviously, it was in the, an uptrend before the pandemic, but especially during the pandemic. Yeah, you've really um, seen the whole industry take off. So prior to this, I was actually working at Red Bull. So I was the head of their media network and content. Yeah. Um, incredible Small company. job. Yeah, <laughs> and not out of a spaceship. Fun either. Yeah, not at all fun over at Red Bull. Um, but obviously, they really go after youth attention span, and they were a really early adopter in gaming and esports. Um, since 2008, have been in this space. So I, I think over like the time I was there, you saw how important it was to a youth generation. But then it slowly almost start to overtake what we were doing in our efforts against action sports. Um, so for me, you know, I've learned a lot from being on the media and content side, working with different athletes, events and competitions. And you've just seen the numbers like the watch times of people consuming content, whether through streamers um, or watching tournaments just skyrocket even over COVID. So, yeah, what we're doing is pretty exciting and uh, definitely keeps us very busy uh, while everything else kind of is still shut down a little bit. You know, one of the things that I've always been fascinated by with, with, with gaming, and David, you kind of hit on this in terms of your pivot into, you know, esports and, and some of these other things. Game is where innovation occurs. I mean, yeah. you know, when, when people are playing games, the linear thought process almost disappears in one sense. Uh, it gets to be a real creative pursuit, and all of a sudden possibilities emerge that I hadn't seen before. And 
from yeah, and, and I'm struck by the name Padia. I mean, as you yeah. Yeah, kind of cite, it's uh, yeah, the great goddess of amusement and uh, 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 play. Yeah, the idea of play. You know, how do I play my life? How you know, life doesn't have to be so bloody serious. You get David no. and I you know, have a lot of fun, make a lot of yeah. money, impact a lot of people. Um, but yeah. play is an integral part of that. And I mean, you you were steeped in that at Red Bull. I know that you were. Uh, I mean, that, yeah. yeah. And I've been to the studio. It's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy place. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, and one of my oldest clients is IDEO. I've been working with IDEO, a design firm, for about, oh, good Lord, you know, 13, 14 years now. Uh, and they play. I mean, you walk into their offices you know, when you could walk into their offices. Uh, but, you know, they've got a box car. They've got, I mean, they've just got stuff. They've got a wing hanging up in the ceiling. The yeah. idea of play, creativity, innovation, and what you ultimately end up with is a, is a, is a way for people to actually discover who they are in a different, uh, in a different way. And, and I'm, uh, that huge preamble, and I apologize for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about your take on people discovering who they are through the process of playing yeah, through Padilla. Yeah. So it's, you know what, it's really interesting you say that because we're really focused on like the accessibility of gaming and that mm -hmm. really fun, playful side of it, because it really is becoming people's leisure activities. Um, I have three boys, uh, 13, 11, and nine. And you see, like, when they're not at school or playing traditional sports, this is really where they're forming social connections. You know, they have their mic mm -hmm. on. You know, someone said it used to be like hanging out at the mall, and now they're hanging on, hanging out online, and you can hear them like laughing and having fun, but also creating and building together because it really is like a team effort, um, depending if you're playing single player or multiplayer games, but you can hear them working together. But for us, it's really about, you know, that fun aspect of it and then making it accessible for all. Um, and one thing that we have seen with the industry and it's our particular focus is on the women's side of gaming. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 3 billion plus gamers in the world, half are female, but they've really been left out of the conversation. Um, and that's kind of like the big business marketing aha moment. Like how did this over 1 billion gamers just kind of get left out? Um, so we're really wanting just to make a safe place for them to play because I know you guys have probably heard like a lot of women, whether they're playing Overwatch or COD, um, they turn off their mic because as soon as their voice is heard, you know, 77% of them get really harassed. And going back yeah. to what you said, gaming's fun. So why can't they just have fun and play too? So, yeah. you know, what we're doing here is really trying to just focus on, you know, that group plus allies, men, 100% come on in, just put your hand up and say, hey, I'm going to be supportive, inclusive and kind and, and play along too. So it's a really interesting shift right now. I think you're seeing in the whole industry. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, sit on the board of the Queens Collective, uh, you know, yeah. as a founder, <laughs> yeah. with uh, Elisa and, you know, a founding investor in Overactive Media. And one of the other interesting sides of gaming, as you guys are this great portal, is I see the not only the great equalizer um, yeah. in that everybody can play. I mean, you don't even need to you have legs to play. You can be any color, yeah. any size, et cetera. And, and I think eventually, um, you know, that fear-based separation that is causing some of the bullying and harassing, which is in existence on all platforms uh, today, w will uh, dissipate and hopefully someday to even dissolve. But more importantly is the home competitive 
family aspect. You know, I yeah. sit on boards of some killer games, home ballers. One of the uh, boards I sit on, my favorite investment uh, for this next year is uh, Black Box XR. It's yeah. the founder of home uh, bodybuilding.com has created an integrated gaming system to a universal weight system that cool. you put on your Oculus. And I've never seen more. It, it's in the EOS fitness right now, but I've never seen a better workout because you forget you're working out because yeah. you're, you know, you, you put in what muscles you want to work out and then you're shooting robots and you, you know, you're, you're, you're getting points and you're competing against other people and you for, like literally forget. And then after 30 minutes, you wonder why you're exhausted and you, you had the best workout of your life. Yeah. So I, yeah. how, how much for you is this new type of integrative gaming where the whole family, uh, you know, can participate we can compete with all our friends and communicate and, and, you know, have fun. Like you said, not meeting at a bowling alley, but still being able to shoot hoops together, bowl together. How, how much do you see that interactive side? Well, I think, you know, you're definitely seeing like with millennial parents as well. Like I'm the tail end of the Gen X. So I think it's a little bit different for our side, but millennial parents that grew up gaming, um, it's pretty high how much of them or many of them game with their kids and families mm -hmm. and as an activity. And I think that's what it's kind of coming out from this basement dweller culture to very um, normal and fun and something you can do with everyone. I tried to get my middle son during COVID. We lived in Toronto, um, just moved back to the West Coast of Canada, but he loved Fortnite. So he was teaching me how to play and I wanted him to do a mother-son stream with me because when I started, I was so bad. He'd be like, look <laughs> up and I'd be like, he's like, not your head. <laughs> he said it would be too embarrassing. <laughs> it was too embarrassing to do it with me, but um, we had so much fun just like playing together because it really is what they love to do, right? And it just yeah. brings it right into the family home. Yeah, and play is a connector. Play is always a yeah. connector. Yeah. And yeah. if we need anything today on this planet, we need connection. <laughs> yes, we do. Online connection helps too in the gaming world. Yeah, truly. And to, to that measure, you know, the tournaments that you have play a yeah. critical role, uh, not just in sponsorship and monetization, but in the uh, attraction to, you know, everybody loves to jo join a tournament. Um, yeah. How have you seen the prizes uh, change throughout the pandemic? I remember the, the multi-million dollar Fortnite competition as I yeah. was in Manhattan. Um, but do you see those types of prizes and incentives in even smaller tournaments now today as it trickles down? Yeah, it really is. And even for us, we find like our platform is media and content tournaments and gameplay and social but the tournaments are really a big driver and again like trying to make gaming accessible we're keeping um our tournaments open to a wide variety of people and the prize pots um not small but you have you're not going for a ten thousand dollar prize fifty thousand or twenty three million dollar prize so anyone can feel like they can join in and we found when we keep them you know under five hundred dollars for a prize pot or um, we have an amazing partnership with Xbox and with Razer and actually getting goods in kind that really attracts, nice. you know, a, a gamer that has never competed before. And so then they're like, hey, you know, 
I can probably try for a $200 prize or get the Xbox uh, Game Pass or the Razor Kraken headphones. And then it encourages more people to come in. But they definitely, you know, they are competing to win at some at some level. That's amazing. Well, we certainly appreciate it. it. As uh, you know, like I said, a founding investor and overactive up there in Toronto. Yeah, we're building a new arena, so hopefully we can coordinate some other great things uh, with you and your company. Uh, thank you for bringing us all together. Uh, like I said, I see the future of sports and of community yeah. driven by gaming and companies like yours and entrepreneurs like you. And thank you so much for all that you do. And uh, we would love to have you back on some of our shows uh, to discuss more about what I believe is the fastest growing aspect in sports and gaming. I agree. Well, thank you for yeah. having me on and happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. Great Stay warm. Stay warm. Yeah. In Europe and BC right now. So it's nice and bundled. It is. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. You too. You bet. Bye-bye. All right. Two for two as usual. I just want to give a big shout out at the end of the year to my team because, uh, you know, one of the things I think that goes maybe unnoticed to others, but the reason that this show is uh, on Bloomberg, uh, the reason it streams is because of the quality of the guests that we have. And we have hundreds of people applying to be on the show and uh, just selecting some, you know, of all ages, all colors, all sizes. It's just amazing. Uh, Great people with great lessons and great stories. And uh, Zeph's not going to disappoint us as, as well. Oh. Zeph Banda, president and CEO of the Banda Group International. Um, and, uh, you know, environmental safety and health, obviously a huge issue. Uh, I also want to thank you for your service. I, uh, Zeph was blessed to, to speak to the United States uh, Air Force One contingent, 300 of our finest as well. And Blaine and I both have worked diligently uh not only for our vets and spouses of the vets and our current active military and first responders uh we never wanted to go un uh unnoticed and and appreciated uh for your service and uh but once again proving what we learn in the military we can take to the homeland and apply uh for the masses as well and it takes the skills and knowledge that we learned within you know, the Air Force for eight years uh, to build such a great business that helps and protects even more people than you individually probably could while you're at the Air Force. Uh, so what was that? Uh, you know, I, I deal with a lot of athletes in military and transition. What was that transition like, though? It, it may seem obvious and easy, but what was the transition life to take that skill set and build such an extraordinary business? Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on and, and happy new year to you. Happy holidays. Um, Thank you. Um, you know, I was uh, I was very happy to to serve the, my country um, both here in the states and and for four years in Germany and you know the camaraderie there that you have when you're in the military I think is second to none and it teaches you a lot of things obviously discipline being one of them and and then putting other people first and and I think. Um, those things served me well when I left the military, left the Air Force, uh, came back to the States and, and started working actually as, um, I was an aircraft mechanic in the Air Force. And so when I got out, um, you know, I, I started working as an aircraft mechanic, you know, kind of applying those same discipline and, you know, and obviously the safety and health aspect of working on planes is directly related to, 
you know, to helping others. And so, um, you know, just over the course of that, that experience and then transitioning to go work at the Department of Energy National Laboratory in New Mexico, um, where I really, I started to delve more into the environment, health and safety area and, and, and really started picking up a number of things along the way. I, I, uh, you know, got my master's degree while I was there, um, you know, working nights and weekends and, and, and really starting to hone my craft, if you will, um, as an environmental health and safety professional. Yeah. Now, when did you found the Banner Group BGI? So I, I, um, I actually started it in late 2003. So we've been in business yeah. for 18 years. Um, after I left working at the National Laboratories, I did a uh, stint working for Intel Corporation um, you know, we were, I was on a team that built large scale manufacturing facilities. Um, my first project was actually in Israel. We were building a factory there. Um, and so kind of took that experience and, and really, um, through a number of experiences, I did a short stint as well with a small company in New Mexico when I was working in the national laboratory. Um, and just kind of started learning about business, about federal business, and then um, just decided in late 03, my kids were both in college. I thought, you know, now's a good time to, if I'm going to do something like this, to just step off. And, and um, I felt pretty confident, you know, that I could, that I could find a job if I needed to, but I thought, you know, I'll hire myself out as an independent consultant and see what happens. And, yeah. And uh, it just ever since that day, it, everything just kind of blew blew up, and in a good way. You know, it really got. We had aggressive growth in the first probably five years of the company, and um, mm -hmm. and it's. Well, I haven't looked back since. Yeah, and the and yeah. The and the part of the reason I asked that question is, you know, since so three, I mean, you've got you know you know a pretty good client list here. I mean, you, you look at it, Fortune one hundred, uh, and and it is global. Yeah. And ESH is, is a pretty, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty narrow niche uh, to, to mm -hmm. actually occupy. I'm, my guess would be, and I don't know the company real well at all outside of just reading you know, some of the cliff notes that we've got here. But sure. yeah, you're probably the big gorilla in this space right now. Would that be a, a fair assessment, Zef? Well, we we're there's there's still a fair amount of competition, I think, in in, yeah. in the green scheme of things. You know, we're we're a pretty good player in that space. Um, you know, we we also over the course of time, you know, we started doing federal work. So we, we've we now kind of morphed into doing services that are ancillary and related to our core business of environmental health and safety, like construction management. Uh, we're also uh, pretty, we have a pretty good um, service offering in the security area because we work in the nuclear facilities uh, on some of the Department of Energy nuclear sites. Uh, so we do some security aspects of work there, and then we're also doing some a fair amount of work in the semiconductor and the high tech industry, and also offering those services there as well. So it, it kind of it's interesting when you when you're doing your you know you're you're doing your business and you, and you know obviously you have to do a good job in what in your core business. Uh, then you get customers asking you, hey, can you also do these things? And you know. Short, you know, slowly you start to build a pretty good portfolio of of uh, related services to your core. So that's kind of how it's worked out for us. And you know, we're we're, we're kind of just moving where the 
where the water takes us. And, uh, and obviously if there's something, somebody came to us and said, Hey, could you, you know, could you own a, could you run a media company? There's no way we could do that. Right. <laughs> so we're not going to yeah. do something that's not related to what we're uh, experienced in. Well, going go where the water takes you is called being in the flow. That's a yeah, pretty that's good place a, to be. That's right. That's I was going to say, you can always send the media people over to me and Blaine so we can you take care of those guys. <laughs> Spe- speaking of with being in the flow, you know, obviously the critical business issues changes with the regulations, statutes, and and common law that that and, and uh, lawsuits that exist, uh, you know, for you, what are some of the bigger or more critical business issues today in ESNH or CSP? Uh, you know, being a CSP, what what are some of the biggest critical business issues today? You know, obviously, I mean, the pandemic has has caused a number of challenges for us, not just in the delivery of our services, because a lot of what we do is on client sites, and so. In order to do that, you know, it, it, it has impacted our ability in some cases to do that because you're working remotely. Um, so we've had to pivot some, some of our, and thankfully we've got great clients. Um, a lot of what we do is considered essential. So in the heat of the pandemic, when everything first shut down, you know, thankfully we were blessed enough to continue to be able to work uh, in some limited capacity, but we were able to do that. But on, on the employer side, because we are now, you know, in excess of 100 employees, you know, nationwide and, and even overseas. We're, you know, we're having to watch the the legalities of everything coming at us from the from the mandate perspective and making sure that all of our people, uh, obviously, first and foremost, are safe and healthy and and uh, and protected. And then we do the same for our uh, for our customers and our especially in those situations where we have deployed staff. So. You know, it's a it's a constant thing. And, you know, we're it, it's interesting, you know, back when I was just a, a safety guy, as they as they call us um, and working on projects, that, that was my main focus. And then as I started to accumulate employees and, and, you know, we've gotten to a certain size, I no longer am a technical person, per se, even though I, I still could do technical work. I'm, I'm ha- I've had to morph into a, a businessman and. You know all of the things that come along with that—the insurances, the, the you know th- these kinds of things, the legalities of running a business have been um, have been a challenge. But um, you know it's 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 a necessary evil, and and uh, obviously my my main focus is keeping our employees gainfully employed, safety you know s- safe and healthy, uh, you know, and also uh, helping our clients you know with their employee safety and health programs. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I, I mean, I say beautiful in the sense that, I mean, the quality of experience that I have on a, on a work site, whether you know, I'm one of your clients or if I'm actually employed with you, how do I feel about me when I'm yeah, in the, in, the, in the presence of your service or product? If I feel uplifted, if I feel good, I'm probably going to hang around. And certainly health and safety are going to be part of that mix, uh, if not directly, subliminally. And yeah, right. if, if that, yeah, it, we, David and I had this conversation some time ago, but you know, the, the whole idea of, you know, if I've got good health, I don't worry about health. If I don't have good health, everything else falls by the wayside. Uh, that's right. That's all I become concerned with. And safety, yeah. you know, kind of comes into that mix as well. If I'm yeah, concerned about, am I going to get home tonight? That's right. going to be a place for me to be, or a productive yeah. place for me to be. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and it's not just what you're doing at work that has an impact or can impact your family. It's also driving to and from work. You know, it's working in your garage. And in some cases, you know, that's a lot more hazardous than working on a large scale construction project because yeah, you see my garage huh? more lax at home than they would be at work. Right. Stand on top rung of a ladder or something that you you wouldn't do um, on a job site. So those are things that we try to instill in our folks and that, you know, we also work with our clients. And, you know, I have to say, having worked at Intel, they have a very strong safety culture. We, we support them. We still, we, you know, we contract back to them. Um, and they're one of the, the, the premier clients when it comes to safety and health and, and the value that they put on that. And so, you know, we have a good team of people working domestically at a number of their sites. Um, and so, you know, it's the whole take it home, you know, with you, that same safety culture and, and, uh, and, you know, we're, we're in lockstep with them on that. And beyond that comes the extreme quantitative value of what you do, the risk assessment and the quantitative value, uh, that your company provides. I'm sure it's quite easy to articulate, you know, the importance of safety and the amount of money that is saved by a company doing things the right way, doing well to doing good. Um, and you know, just to reiterate with Blaine from that conversation, you know, my favorite line is, you know, if you're healthy, you get as many wishes as you want every day, Mm -hmm. but if you're unhealthy, you only have one wish. And so Zeph, thank you so much for providing so many wishes to so many people and saving us so much money. Uh, I appreciate you. And thanks again for your service. Have a wonderful new year. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Happy new year to you. Happy, Happy New Year. Year. Take care of that. Check them out. Bandagroupinternational.com. We have the website posted below. Uh, learn more about BGI and Zev. Uh, what an incredible entrepreneur. It's amazing uh, how our systems work together and how we can protect one another with just a little bit of diligence and safety in mind. So, Mr. Learn Blainbartlet.com forward slash DAY. What's your takeaway for the DAY? The DAY design, you know, it, it, all three of them, they've designed a life for themselves. And I'm going to just kind of, you know, shamelessly plug this, you know, but designing yeah. a life. Yeah. Life happens in two ways. It either happens accidentally or it happens by design. And the default for most people is it happens accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. More people will spend time concerned about what they're going to wear than what their career is. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Um, so, I mean, you, 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 you kind of go back, you know, right to the very beginning at 22 years of age. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Jake is out there. He's, he's looking at how can I make a difference? How can I design something here that is going to make a difference for myself and for the folks that I'm working with? Uh, you know, with Jill, the same thing. I mean, she comes from Red Bull and then she starts her own organization looking at how can I, you know, make something that is, you know, I mean, and I love the, the idea of naming her company out of a Greek goddess. I mean, that's, yeah. It was perfect about play and it's about um, yeah, everything that's involved with that creativity. So designing that, this is what entrepreneurs do. And then, you know, you just look at Zeph, I mean, jumps out of the, uh, you know, literally out of uh, the safety net uh, in 03 and says, yeah, I'm going to just do this. I, I, this is you know, something that I'm going to design for myself. And in 13 years, he's designed himself a hell of an organization that is doing some amazing work. So I, I guess where I, you know, the takeaway for me today, Dave, is uh, 
when you pay attention to what you're designing for yourself, you design a, design a life that designs you in return because, and I, and I love uh, Zeph's last comment. I mean, I've moved away from being a technician to now I had to learn how to be a businessman. I had to learn, I had to learn this stuff. If you're designing a life that is a big life, it's going to design you in return. It's going to require you to grow. It's going to require you to grow. And I know that, you know, in two years ago, you made a pivot and the, the growth has been enormous in what you've been able to accomplish. And you know, I look at myself, I think, I mean, Hal, at my age, yeah, most people have hung up the shingle. I, I can't wait to get out of bed in the morning. I want to go grow. I want to go grow something. I want to go grow. <laughs> Where am I going to grow? Yeah. Yeah. Wake up at 5 a.m. to get on there. Yeah. Wait at 5 a.m. to get on this show. So I know you can't wait to get going. And you uh, are all probably been up for two hours. So it's uh, amazing when you don't have to do stuff. <laughs> what a great takeaway. Yeah. You know, for me, it's interesting because I think all three um, entrepreneurs are so different. And I might have a, a little bit different perspective than most of the takeaway. But my takeaway is how much I love America. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, people who worry about what's missing what they don't have or what they don't want they they see things you know i started studying goddard thanks to you and the law of assumption and you know i'm looking at a kid who's 22 i'm looking at a, a woman in canada and i'm looking at zeph who served our country and very very different backgrounds different educations yeah. different parents different uh, houses and and yet america provides them all extraordinary opportunity to not only build wealth uh, for themselves, but create abundance for so many to help so many, you know, I don't want to, you know, self promote the simple things I have in life, like making a lot of money, helping a lot of people and having a lot of fun. All three of those people make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And they are nothing alike. And for you and I, who've been blessed to travel the entire world, and do business around the world, you can't do that anywhere else. You, you, there's no other country that you can come here with nothing or be born with nothing and end up to be the richest person in the world. Uh, and no matter what background, where you are and how old you are, you could change your mind to tomorrow, heart set and hand set at 70 years old, and you still got 20 years, you could make it happen and easily make it happen in America, uh, nowhere else. So. Uh, you know, I, that's my takeaway is God bless America. God bless everyone at the end of the year. Please look at what you want and what you have. Appreciate, acknowledge, and ask for more. This is the country of appreciation of what we have. Acknowledgement to the ability to give it all away and the ability which makes it great to wish for more. And you got to be healthy to do that. So yeah. uh, thank you, my friend. I don't know if I'll get to see your beautiful face before the new year. I'm snowbound, snowbound here on Whidbey Island right now. I know. I was looking forward to seeing you, but we will re-engineer our plans. I'm always with you in spirit and your wife. I uh, am so grateful for the year that we've had. And we'll catch you on the other side for the best entrepreneur show on Bloomberg. we got a big new streaming deal. You'll see the press release uh, early next year where Office Hours not only will be on Bloomberg, but switching to the biggest streaming service in the world uh, with a humongous entrepreneurial deal. So we are very excited about where we're going and it wouldn't have happened without you, my friend. Learn.blamebartlett.com forward slash D-A-Y. The Mindset Mastermind, moving possibilities to profit. 
my mentor and friend. Thank you so much. Blessings, buddy. Have a great New Year's. You Big too. Hug to Love you. Big hug to <laughs> Cynthia. Thank you. Awesome. All right, everyone. We got a big day tomorrow. That's right. A new day resolution, even though it's the 31st. Everyone out there should feel blessed. If you don't feel blessed, you should join my 14-day gratitude challenge. And if you do feel blessed, you should join my 14-day gratitude challenge. David at dmeltzer.com. Join me. If you finish it, I'll give you a big day Meltzer care package. Uh, I want to thank Matt again uh, for always producing a great show, even though he has the wrong clothes on and the wrong hat on. Uh, we still love him. David at dmeltzer.com. Remember, most importantly, everyone, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. See you tomorrow.